This is Allison Tyler Jones, and you are listening to From Nothing to Profit. Welcome to From Nothing to Profit, a photographer's podcast with Matt and Kaya, where each week they talk to photographers about what is working in their business now so you can swipe those ideas and grow your business faster. This is Kaya today, and uh, I am interviewing Allison Tyler Jones all by myself. Matt is speaking at a convention today, and so this is a first for me to do a solo interview. And I, I think it's a first for you, Allison, to uh, do a full podcast. Is it that is. Right? I'm excited. Yeah, we're so excited to have you here. Uh, although this is a first for Allison to do a full podcast, she is a veteran speaker and has uh, been a photographer for, uh, gosh, how many years? Um, I think 14. <laughs> 14 yeah. years. Okay, I know. It's, it's hard to know how long when you get our bios. So I first saw Allison at actually the national convention, and I had not known who she was, and I sat in her program and was blown away by how professional she is, by how well she knows how to run a business and by how great her photography is. And what I loved about it is that she had come into photography, not from like a moms with a camera, which is, you know, very typical for women. And also not from a, uh, like, you know, like a big corporate job or something and wanting to do something else. She came at it from already being in the artistic industry uh, and so, Allison, do you want to tell us more about uh, yourself and your expertise? Sure. Um, I, uh, as Kai said, I came into this industry a little bit sideways. I had uh, owned a, my own retail store. We were the first scrapbooking store outside of Utah, and I had that business for about 12 years in the late 90s, early 2000s. And um, when we were selling that business off, I thought, well, I'll just take six months off and I'll just do a little bit of photography um, and until I decide what it is that I'm going to do. But one thing is for sure, I'm not going to make another hobby into a business. And so 14 years later, another hobby was made into a business. But I came from that aspect of when I had my scrapbooking store, the intention always was to make a profit that it had to support my family. And so when I came into photography, uh, even though I started thinking that I would just do it for a little bit of time, the intention was always that it was going to be a business. And once I realized that this is what I was going to do, the intention was that we're going to uh, make it into a business that's going to support my family. And so that was from the beginning. It kind of never was uh, just for fun. Yeah. Well, it seems to me like when you do things, you do them in a really excellent way. And so even fun to you is doing things well, I'm assuming doing them, for, yeah. you know, all the way. Yeah. And well, it is a constant, uh, you know, constant maximizing, I guess you would say, or I don't know, trying to always improve is something that's really big for me. It's also the thing that puts me in the fetal position in many, uh, many aspects of my life. But it, it is uh -huh. something that I I'm always striving to do better. So do you still scrapbook? No. It's so sad. Okay. Because that kind of ruined me scrapbooking for my family. I'd always done that ever since I was a little kid. And then once I once it was a business, I just didn't really do it for my family anymore. I was doing it as samples for the store and um so it kind of it kind of ruined that for me actually. So it's really sad. <laughs> That's funny. 
I have always have this vision of myself as like making these beautiful scrapbooks and creating these amazing moments. And I actually, the only scrapbook I have is a Christmas one. And it's not really even a scrapbook. It's just like a, a book that you can like write in. But I cut up all everyone's Christmas cards and put them in every year and then write in it. And it's like, oh, that's but so I cool though. Well, <laughs> but I've done it for 20 years and it's, yeah. I, I think I've hit my last year. So I'm like, okay, well. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I, you know, with the scrapbooking store, actually, it's funny because I had always, you know, I, like many people, I, you know, loved photography from when I was young and I was uh, the photo editor of the year, yearbook when I was in high school. And so when I started that business, I thought, I really thought it would be more photography. Like I thought we were going to do, uh, have dark room because this was pre-digital, I thought we were going to have dark rooms. We were going to be doing Polaroid transfers and all these cool art journals and this really, really photographically heavy uh, thing. And then I realized that everybody just wanted stickers and scissors that cut paper into weird mm-hmm. shapes, you know? And so um, then I realized, but I realized yeah. that there was actually a lot of money in that. You know, we did about a million dollars a year on a $20 average sale. So we, we ran a lot of volume through that business and it was a good business for a long time. But, uh, you know, nobody really wanted the photography until the very tail end, as everything was going digital, then it was funny, because all of our photography classes kind of took off and everybody wanted to do photography at that point. So you thought it was going to be more like kind of fine art scrapbooking, yeah. but you, it was more crafty. Oh, totally. Yeah. Nobody, nobody yeah. could get they like Polaroid transfer. What? Like, I mean, we did do a few of those classes, but um, really everybody just wanted to pile on, you know, 50 stickers and, and that, and it was fun. It, you know, we definitely went, went at yeah. it from like an archival standpoint and you know, acid free this and that, but you know, it was really, really fun. I look back now and I, I, when we first started and we were, you know, putting up all these racks of stickers and, and all that stuff, I, I said to my business partner at the time, I said, you know where this is all going. We're going to end up back where we started with, with like black pages, black photo corners, black and white pictures with like the little, you know, the little late, what is the word I'm looking for? The border around it. And then white, mm-hmm. you know, writing in white pencil. We're going to all come back from all this like excess back to this streamlined, simple. And it's like when you look at Artifact Uprising and a lot of these places now that are, you know, fulfilling, that's exactly what it is. It's all come back to that really simple, spare, clean. So it's kind of funny. Well, that is interesting because when I heard you had had a scrapbooking store and then I saw your work, which you really just described your work, black and white, simple, clean, I was wondering where the connection was. And it makes more sense that you had assumed it would be more of like an art based and now you're you're at that. So let's segue into your your uh, current photography business because that it sounds to me like your current photography business is even more successful than your scrapbooking business. And so uh, this the name of this podcast is from nothing to profit. What's working now in the photography industry? And so I we would love to know kind of what what are you doing in your in your studio now with your photography now that you feel is really working well. Okay, so. Our studio, I am, I do exclusively studio work. Um, I've gotten to the point where I really, we don't do any location and I specialize in families and kids. And my business is basically based on three pillars, which is that it has to have a, an artistic feel. So it's art that ha- we, my tagline is art that happens to be your family. I want a long-term relationship with my clients. So I'm not a one and done. I don't want to create a marketing arm that's just going to 
jam a bunch of people in my funnel and I'm hoping that some, some of them will, will buy. And then I don't care if I ever see them again. So we're really based on relationship and referral. And then, uh, the other pillar is a finished product. So, uh, we create pieces of art for our client's home and that's where we start from. That's what we're speaking from the second, the very first phone call. We're talking about finished products. We do not sell printable digital files. So art, a long-term relationship and a finished product, those are the three things that my business is based on. So it, it's working for us in that um, we're not competing with the anybody that's a shoot and share model in our in our market. Uh, we just I don't really we don't really see ourselves as is in competition in that respect. It uh, doesn't mean that we think we're beyond competition or that we think we're so cool. It's just that that's, we're just in a different business. We're providing fine art for the home. Uh, we're helping solve those kinds of problems. We're not so much focused on, Oh, what's this cool. We're not, so, we're focused on the shooting. We definitely want to create something amazing and fabulous for their, but it is for their home. And so I, that's really what's working for us is that I'm not, I'm trying not to be distracted by everything else that's going on. Because I started out of my home for four years. I, when I sold my scrapbooking store, um, I didn't, you know, want to just go into overhead overnight because I didn't have a business established. And so I have a home that has a basement. And so for four years, I shot out of that basement and did, uh, sales sessions in my dining room and, uh, then once it was kind of taking over the house and I could see that I was at a certain level of income and I knew that I could support, uh, that I could still be profitable and have a studio, uh, rental, you know, be able to pay studio rent. Then we made the yeah. leap to a, a downtown studio and we've been there since 2009. And so, um, once, so when I was shooting from home and in the basement, I was doing maybe 40% studios, about 60% location. And then as I went into the studio, just more and more, the more I, I've always loved studio work from, from day one, I've loved it. And I love the ability to control have the light, no matter what time of year, no matter what time of day. And I love, uh, I love the relationship with the subject. I love that interaction. And so I just felt like that when I was either introducing props or a lot of background or environment, it was detracting from, to me, the most interesting part of the image, which was the person. So I just, the more spare and clean I got, the happier I was with what I was doing. And then it also happened to be uh, that as I was, not running around, you know, for three hours, getting to and from a shoot and breaking it up and, you know, putting it up and taking it down. It, it just was so great. The studio just seemed to really be a great fit for me. Well, and you, uh, because you do the studio lighting and the really simple images that plays into the three pillars of your business. It's so funny because I'm like, ah, I should be taking notes. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> But your your sim simple images obviously look more like art, but and then your you know the simple images are going to go in any home, but also because you're doing similar images over time, that lets you keep that relationship where you're not creating one specific look for one specific time. So that's really interesting to hear that. Uh, so my next question 
for you is what are you most fired up about in our industry? Um, what is something that you're excited about? Something that you're worried about? Just, uh, you know, you, I know you just spoke at the, again, didn't yeah. you speak this yeah. year? Uh, Imogene? Yeah. At the national convention. And so I'm assuming you saw trends and kind of thought about it a bit. So what are, tell us what you're most fired up about the photography industry now. The thing that I'm, that I'm most excited about is I really feel like, you know, 2003 was when it was the first year that more people shot digital than film. And so, you know, exponentially that's just grown and here we are. And I think that we had that a ton of people coming into the industry, kind of churning around down at the bottom, editing 24 hours a day, not seeing their kids, a lot of women, a lot of women not valued, yes. not valuing what it was that they were doing. Like, Oh, well, it doesn't take me that much time. So I shouldn't charge that much or whatever, you know, fill in the problem here, you know? And I, it's interesting to me to see people that have, uh, you know, and our trade organization would say that they're that at the bottom. There are a lot of photographers that are new that are coming in and they kind of churn around at the bottom at about the two year mark. And usually they wash out at about two years. They've just had it. They've, they've, they're editing themselves blind. They're tired. They're not making any money. It's horrible. And it's taking away from their family. They have no life, but if they can get if they can get some education at some point in that two year period and realize, Oh wait, I actually have to charge a, you know, what I'm worth. I actually have to, you know, make this into a business and take this a little bit more seriously. Um, they can do really, really well. And so I, I saw a lot of that when I was at imaging this year, there are people that are just out there doing really, really well. And I've, um, I belong to a group of photographers. Um, it's a group like a yeah, it's called XXV. Um, and it's just, uh, uh -huh. you know, some of the really great portrait photographers and uh, commercial photographers. Mm -hmm. And we, we all sat in a room in the spring of the last year, and every single person that stood up said, this is my best year yet. And so I think that's pretty amazing when you hear the dire or, or if you get online, like, I mean, oh my gosh, if you go on to any mm -hmm. Facebook group, it's a doom and gloom. Oh my gosh, the, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. There's so much competition. All these mommy, you know, moms with the camera are just ruining, you know, ruining the whole industry. And it's not true. Uh, it's, it's not true. So mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the, um, the recession's over, people are spending and, but they're not going to just spend on just anything. There's a specific thing and, and it's going to be a specific thing for you. You know, Kaya, you're going to have a different thing that people are spending with you than they would spend with me. But I think those who are yes. willing to really figure out what their secret sauce is and how they want to do business and what the value of that is, um, are going to do really, really well. And that's true of any industry and any time in history. Uh, but this is the the best uh, time in history. It's the the baby boomers have the the largest amount of disposable income in the history of the world, and they're those are definitely my clients because that's that older mom. Um, the the millennials are hitting their stride in their careers, and they're starting to. I'm starting to see a little trickle of millennials calling, saying. Um, you know, I just want a real photographer. And I'm like, well, what does that mean to you? And they're like, well, you know, I mean, we've, we've been going with my like sister-in-law has a nice camera or somebody in my neighborhood, you know, and we just want somebody that is just like knows what they're doing, that can tell us how to dress, can tell us what to do. And that we've heard that you'll 
you know, print it out and, and come and hang it on our wall. And that's what we want. I just don't want to have to deal with it anymore. So, uh, you know, we're not catering to a DIY clientele. We're catering to people that want to have uh, something done for them. So that, I think that those things are, I see more and more of that. And I think that there's enough business out there for everybody. And I feel like that the, our industry as a whole is starting to become a little more positive. You're always going to have the negative naysayers out there who are going to, you know, just say that it's all going bad and it's never going to be good. But usually those are people that are either scared or there are people that, um, maybe they had it good at one time and never really evolved their business. Yeah, I think that's definitely true because I've been in the business long enough to see the transition from film to digital, to see the transition from proofs to, you know, in-person sales. And so every time that there's a change, there are people that don't have a vision Mm -hmm. and are just used to doing what they're doing. Uh, But one of the things that you were just saying is uh, I think what what you're seeing is that um, the consumer is starting to have more money than time. And so as a, you know, photographer, we're in both a product and a service industry. And so to be able to help them gain more time, which is what you're doing, uh, they're, they're not having to figure everything out. You're consulting with them, you're planning. Right. Yeah. So, but you're helping people trade their money for more time and service. So that's right. And, and, what I found is that even people that have a lot of money, there's still, it's, it's rare to find somebody who will take responsibility for something who will stand up and say, you know what, I know how this is supposed to go. And I know, I know what you're supposed to wear. I know how I'm going to light it. I know the concept I'm going to use. I know where it's going to hang on your wall. I know how we're going to frame it. And let me just take this over and handle this for you. And in any in industry, honestly, no matter how much money people have, it is very hard to find that level of expertise and and that level of people willing to take responsibility for the process from beginning to end. And so, and if you're going to do that, if you're going to take responsibility from beginning to end, you have to be able to charge for that. And there, there are people mm-hmm. that are willing to pay for it. So I think in the beginning, when I kind of started down this road, you know, you kind of go through this thing of like when you're raising your prices or whatever, you're like, oh, I just feel bad. I want everybody to be able to afford me. And I had to let that go. Like everybody is not going to be able to afford me. The people that want to do it themselves, that want to, that just want the files and that want to go and order Shutterfly books and all that kind of stuff. Those are not going to be my clients, even though I love those people and they're my neighbors and they're, you know, I go to church with them and they're my friends and stuff, but that doesn't necessarily, they're, those people that want that level of service are not, are never going to spend the money, whether they have it or not with me, because they, they think they can do it. I'm catering to the people that don't want to do it. They just want like, I just need to show up in what you told me to wear. You're going to figure this out. You're going to direct my kids. You're going to make this whole magic happen. We're going to have a great time while we're there. And then in a little while, you're going to show up at my house and install it on my walls. And then I'm going to take credit for all of it and, and tell the story to myself and others that I'm a you know great mom and that I value my family. And maybe she is a great mom because she didn't fight with totally. her children to make it all Oh, happen. for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Awesome stuff, guys. Hey, on that note, let's just take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You look at your calendar and notice you need clients now. So you do a little marketing and get some phone calls. You get busy helping those new clients. 
They schedule sessions, they place orders, and life is good. But once they're done, your calendar is empty again. The reason is you didn't have time to market while you were busy. Sometimes your business feels like a roller coaster. And let me tell you something, it is. And believe me, you're not alone. Photographers everywhere have the same problem. But I have some great news. Matt's business, Allison Ragsdale Photography, after years of trial and error, has cracked the code. It works so well, he's created a new class all about it. It's called Get Clients Now, a dead, simple approach to getting photography clients. Everyone at From Nothing to Profit is excited to share this info with you because this system helped Matt and Allison book hundreds of clients this year at their studio. And the best part about this system is that it's simple to set up and it works while you're sleeping. No hard selling or creepy marketing. All you have to do is help your clients answer their most pressing questions. Clients love the system and say it is the number one reason they book with Matt and Allison. If you're interested in learning more about this system, go to photopodcast.co forward slash simple. Matt has created a short free video that introduces this system. If you like what you hear, podcaster listeners get an exclusive discount on the full class. So make sure you go to photopodcast.co forward slash simple and sign up for the free video. It will help you book more clients now and create the business you've always wanted. Okay, so let's move on to the lightning round. So these are kind of quicker questions. And uh, so I'll just ask and then you can kind of answer as we go. So because you transitioned uh, over from, you know, a different business, this is a great question. So what was holding you back from becoming a full-time photographer? Well, I didn't want to build another business around a hobby, which, you know, I think I said that before. Um, and I also just was like, I didn't, I was really worried about building a business all around just me. The the business I had before I could take six months off and write a book and the business would just run without me. And so, and that's a valid, that, that was a valid concern and it, and it continues to be a concern. I was right. It it was hard to build, build a business around yourself. Yeah. And do, does your, do you have family that works with you in the business? Yeah. My, I, I made my husband quit his job in about five years ago. And so he, he's, he works with me. And so all a hundred percent of our income comes from the studio. That's, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've done that too. Yeah. We don't right now, but my husband is a pastor. And so a good portion of our income definitely comes from the photography business. Okay. So if you had a thousand dollars right now, what would you buy that's photo related? Oh, I didn't see that on the list. I know. Only a thousand? Yep. I would probably just, or just whatever. Yeah. I would probably, I'd probably buy the iPad Pro just because I keep putting off buying it and I really want it. I don't really need it, but I just, it's so sexy and I really want it. But I think it's (laughs) more, I think it's more than, I think the iPad Pro like pimped out is like probably three grand so. Yes, I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. That's interesting. Uh, for Christmas, uh, I got my husband the Surface. Oh yeah, uh, and and we had never. I look. I haven't owned a PC item. I don't know. I don't know if I ever have. And so that was really a weird feeling. He was like, "I just think it's better. I think I'm. I want to try it." So you cheated anyway, on you cheated on Steve so bad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so if you have a thousand dollars right now, what would you not buy? What would I not buy? What are some examples of things that people have not bought? Well, I think like, uh, you know, templates or, you know, like some people have said education is what they would spend money on and other people, you know, like that kind of thing. Like what would you suggest people to not spend their thousand dollars on? You, I mean, I'm assuming you just walked through the trade show. So there were things that you were like, Ooh, (laughs) I would not spend money on that. Well, I think, Um, I think people, you know, get caught up in, 
uh, I think the reason that Matt put this question in is because I think people get caught up in buying things that they think are going to make their business better. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of the question. Right. Well, what I would not buy is I would, for my business, actually for the $1,000, I would buy a $1,000 Amazon gift card or Audible so that I could just, because I'm such a book and Audible book and book uh-huh. reader, that's, uh-huh. that's, that's actually what I would buy because, because that is what I actually do buy. What I wouldn't buy is probably things that I have bought a lot of, which is I bought a ton of like creative live. Uh, I mean, well, I shouldn't say creative live or, you know, like online education things that I think in the moment, like, Oh, that sounds really, really good. And then I never even open and look at them or whatever. You know, I, it's like, I would say, I won't let myself buy another one of those until I've used the last one that I did. Mm-hmm. But prob- so not necessarily that those aren't valuable, but that you, you know, you need to be ready to use them. Yeah. Exactly. Cause I buy, I, you know, you buy that stuff and then you're like, wait a minute, I think I have something like that. I need to go back to it or, or organize it. Like somebody needs to come up with a way to organize that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't know if that's a really good answer. Of well, I think buying. that's good yeah. is, is you wouldn't buy education until you're ready to use that education. Like I just bought a class, which I never spend that much on things, but I, I've done it. I set aside time every day, you know, every what time the lesson comes out, I spend time with it. Actually, it's a uh, Jamie Swanson, her uh, personal branding. Uh-huh. I never do that type of thing, but we interviewed her on the podcast, and I thought this is this was one of my lists of things I was going to launch this spring. Oh, and cool. I thought if I invest in this and sit down and do it, you know, I could have figured it out. Like I could have end arounded her, yeah. and you know, found other people that have you know obviously been in her class, copied them. But I was just like, first of all, I think that doesn't have integrity. So I'm not going to do that. Second of all, I think if I spend the money, it's going to make me do it. Right. And, and I, and I have, I've already, you know, two lessons in have got more done than I think I would have gotten without doing it. So. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. I know what I wouldn't buy for real. Ooh. I know what I wouldn't okay, buy. Good. I would not buy uh, another like lens or piece of equipment. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy yeah. that. And really it's been a really long time. Uh, since I, I used to just really be into that, like I was just sure that if I bought that next lens, it would make me a better photographer. But uh, really, equipment is just what it can do. And if it's not, if I can't do what I need to do, like the only reason I'm going to buy something is if I just get to a point in my creative journey to where I cannot go past that without that. Um, and I need, I need to have a pretty compelling reason for that, just because it needs to make money. So what uh, do you sh- what do you shoot? Canon or Nikon? I'd shoot Nikon. I'm a... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what lens do you shoot? Uh, I am like a 70 to 200. Really? I love me a 70 to 200. Do you you have a like a long studio to be able to get back and get those full family shots with your... I do. I am usually on my butt, like with my back against the wall all the time. Okay. Yeah. But if it's a really big family, then I'll shoot it, you know, 24 70. But uh, I love the compression of a 70 to 200. And I Mm -hmm. always have, I I would shoot 200. I would love to have a 200, but I'd have to, I'd have to knock a wall out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You have to knock a wall out and you would have to get Arnold Schwarzenegger arms. Right. (laughs) I know. Totally. (laughs) Okay. So what is the best advice you've ever received? Well, the, the bet I thought about this when I got the questions and I'm like, that is just such a loaded question. And, I uh, but I, and I think everybody's heard this advice. So 
don't turn off the podcast the second I say this, because I kind of have a little bit of a different take on it, but it's, it's to, you know, ask one of my favorite quotes is, uh, Oscar Wilde's be yourself. Everyone else has already taken. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, your mom always said that to you, you know, just be yourself, you know, when you're in junior high and you're like, nobody wants me. But I think in this industry in particular, it's a good idea for life in general, but in the, in our industry in particular, you, the combinate, what cannot be replicated is you. And what we do is we are create, we are in many ways, the product. And that I found that the more I went to in inward and the more I went who I already was more of who I becoming more of who I already was, the more successful I've become. And when I, you know, when I first started, I think when you first start in any industry, you kind of look around and see what everybody else is doing kind of like, well, how is this business done? And you, you feel like, well, okay, that's, that's how we should do it. But I feel like this industry has been so completely disrupted that the old rules just don't really apply. There are some basic principles that apply across the board in business that will always be, you know, true, but it's so, it's so different. And uh, a lot of the things that, that people have said from time immemorial just really don't apply anymore, or maybe they don't apply for you. And so if they don't, if those things don't apply, then how, how could you do business? So for me, an example of that would be, well, okay, you know, digital's come, you have to sell digital files. That's just the way it is. If you're not doing it, you're going to be left behind, you know, and I just decided I sold digital files for the first six months I was in business. And then I realized there's no way because, and it wasn't because I thought, oh, I'm not going to make any money. It was because I was going over like to my sister's house and she has some, you know, 20 by 30 canvas on the wall that she got printed at Costco. It's supposed to be black and white, but it was purple. And she's telling everybody in her neighborhood that I did it. And while they might not be able to tell the difference, I was mortified, you know? So I realized, okay, no, I, I have to have that control over how this whole thing is going to go down. And I, and this is how I want it to look. And so, and, and I second guess myself a lot too, because I'm an oldest child. So, you know, oldest children, you must be right. Must be perfect. We're always looking around. Does everybody love me? Does everybody think I'm great? You know? And so, you know, I had a lot of angst about that. Like, am I doing it right? And then finally I, I would, I would say, am I doing it right? And then I'd second guess myself and listen to other people. And then finally I would just say, I don't care. I'm just going to do it this way. So I quit looking at what other photographers were doing. I quit worrying about what everybody else in the quote unquote industry was doing. I don't really spend a ton of time online in forums and that sort of thing. I really just kind of have my own vision of how I want to do it. And, and that's been, that's worked well for me. Now that doesn't mean that I'm not going to look around at the industry or look around artistically and see if there are ways to evolve the work. Because like we were saying before, I don't want to get stuck in this. Well, this is the way I've always done it. I'm always, you know, very worried about like, am am I relevant? Am I still you know, am I evolving the work? Am I still staying interested? And I think once you're like 15, 14, 15 years into your career, those are two very interesting topics. You know, it's a lot of things I talk about mm-hmm. with a lot of people that have been in business for a long time is it's like, okay, am I even relevant in what I'm doing? Am I, is, is my stuff still good? Does it still resonate? And then do I want to put a gun in my mouth every, you know, September looking down the barrel of the holiday season, you know, like what's going to keep me interested and keep me moving forward. Uh And usually that's some kind of a creative challenge, whether it's the creativity in the business or the creativity in the work itself. And for me, I like both of those things. So that's a really Mm -hmm. long answer for just Be be yourself, do it how you think you should do it. 
Yes. And that's going to make you successful because I think, and I, we can't necessarily go into this, but what was, what I think is a really fascinating thing that you said at the very beginning is we're all selling a different product. Like you and I could be next door to each other and have completely different clients and both have successful businesses. Right. Because we're selling completely different products and there are buyers for both. You know, it, like you said, it, the business is, there's not a rule you know, things don't look the same like they used to. So right. very, that's very true. So share one of your personal habits that you think contributes to your success. Um, in 2010, I was probably about 275 pounds and I had just always been heavy as an adult and uh, I got I it started to really impact my health and I decided that I was going to change that. And I tried before, but, uh, I, you know, a few things kind of coalesced and I, I lost a hundred pounds over about 18 months. And so part of that process was I realized I'd been going on diets <laughs> for a long time and I would always think, well, when can I stop this? Like, you know, when can I quit the diet? When can I quit the working out part of it? And it was for some reason, this time, this journey, I realized this is the rest of my life. This is what I have to do. And I've always lived in my head. I've never really been a PE girl. And uh, I've been like all about the brain and the personality. And I finally realized, wait a minute, this is the brain carrier. I need to take care of the brain carrier. And so um, my habit is that I work out six days a week, uh, usually about six o'clock in the morning, not, not on Saturdays, but uh, I'll work out a little bit later, but working out every single day has given me actually an extra two to three hours in the day and really good hours when I'm awake and, and really, really, really going. And so I established uh, a rule that three days a week is my minimum that I can consider myself successful and six days a week is optimal. And that, that little mindset has really helped me in other areas in the business that I was always kind of all or nothing. Like if I'm not doing it all the way, then I, sh then I just forget it. I'm not going to do any of it. So that establishing a minimum successful and then an ideal and being able to swing between those two things has been super helpful. But just that, that exercising first thing in the morning just gets me up and it gets me my mind going. And uh, I usually arrive at the gym like 20 minutes early so I can plan my day and make notes. And um, it's just been a game changer for me. That is amazing. I I didn't know you before then. And it's so funny because I, I immediately think your cheekbones, but I love your cheekbones. I'm so glad. <laughs> it's, 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 it's hard to imagine, but it's, it's neat to hear that. Uh, that's a really neat success story and a really neat personal habit. So uh, you said you would spend money on Audible. So I don't know if this is going to be your internet resource or not, but what are some, what is an internet resource that you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah, I, You can say Audible yeah, if you want. I, I would, I think Audible is, you know, for, especially for people that have a hard time reading, uh, either have a hard time making time for it. Or I've had a lot of people say, how do you read so many books? I just fall asleep when I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm too tired. But, um, you know, just I don't have a long commute to work, uh, but even still just having books loaded up on my phone and being able to listen to in Bluetooth, just in that little time in between errands, whatever, you can get so many more books read that way. And, and it's, it's a different way of processing it as well. You know, it's like sometimes if I really am liking the book that I'm listening to, then I buy it 
in the print format too, so I can go in and make notes. And then of course I have to buy it on my Kindle too, because then I need to read it, you know, so I, I'm, I have very many books in all three formats. So I would definitely say Audible. If you could only have one internet resource in your life, uh, Audible would be the one for me for sure. That is really interesting. I'm a, I'm not a good listener. And so I, I do like podcasts, but um, I am not I like to listen to a whole book sounds scary to me. Like I've never listened to a whole book, you know, except for, but yeah. I read probably several books a week, yeah. you know, well, but, yeah. it, but anyway. it's a different, well, it's a kind of a different, what I found, I'm not a good listener either. Uh, because I'm too, like I really ADD. But what I found is that it's kind of like a, it's like I, I pick different things up from it. Like, so I'll listen to it Mm -hmm. and I'll hear like, Oh, that was really interesting. And then if one, then I go back and I read it and I was like, it just, it almost like it's coming from a different hemisphere in my brain. You should try Mm -hmm. it. You should try just one. Cause with audible, the, when you first sign up, I think you get the first book free. Yeah, no, we have like credits. Like, yeah, my husband just sent me them. He was like, you should, you should get some books. So, so speaking of that, yeah. if I were to do that, what books would you recommend? And you can do more than one if you want to, or just one. I know, I know. Well, this, it's like picking your favorite child. It's probably easier mm-hmm. to pick your favorite child. But honestly, one book that I read or listen to every six months minimum is a book called Essentialism uh, by uh-huh. Greg McCown. It's Greg, G-R-E-G, and his last name is M-C-K-E-O-W-N. And uh, it's just, it's just excellent. It's just about keeping the, the main thing, the main thing, keeping focused on what really matters. And it's not, not really, but in business, mm-hmm. you know, it's also higher level too, like in life, but in, in yeah. business. And the thing that I loved about that when I first started reading is he talks about that if you're good at what you do and if you become successful, it actually becomes this complicating situation because then everybody wants you for different things. And so people are just constantly pulling at you. And then so success breeds more opportunities, but not all opportunities are created equal. So how do you pick from the things that are – so his thing is we're not choosing from like the crap from the good, like anybody can do that. We're choosing the good from better or really, really good things from excellent things. And so how do you pick that out? Those are hard things because we want to do everything. And so Mm -hmm. it's just the concept of prioritization that we can't do everything that for every yes, you're saying, you're saying no to something else. And you need to realize that. And in, in our society and how we live now, especially with all of the distractions and everything we have, we really think that we can do it all and we really can't. And so he's talking about how we're just making a millimeter of progress in a million different directions rather than going long and deep into something that's really, really amazing. And so it just, it centers me and it helps me uh, refocus. But I, that book I love. And then the other one I would say for anybody listening to this podcast, especially if it's from zero to profit would be uh, Mike Michalowicz's The Pumpkin Plan. Uh, yeah. Yep. That I'm reading that one right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, that is, and that's another one I read, I, I read and or listen to And I have that in every format. I love that guy and his, that book, uh, that book and profit first, his other book, profit first changed my yes, business yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, that book was great. It's so funny. I had the book Essentialism and I read part of it and then I left it at a, on purpose at a, uh, echo hotel on the side of a lake in Guatemala because I was like, you know, I should leave it here because I don't have to carry it. <laughs> so it was being an essentialist and leaving the book behind. There you someone go. Else. But see, if you had it on Audible, then it would oh, weigh, it would weigh yes. nothing. And then, it, then yes, you could have it with true. you. So. Okay. Um, Allison, thank you so much for being on here with us. This is amazing. And I would love to keep visiting, but we want to keep it um, in our time. And so we, I would love to hear any parting piece of guidance that you would want to give our listeners and then the best way to connect with you. The last piece of guidance that I would give anybody listening to this is that that thing that you're looking for that you're just sure is on the horizon. That's going to make all the difference in your business. That's going to make all the difference in your life is not on the horizon. It's within you and you have the ability and, uh, all it takes is just to, to find it for yourself. And so quit looking outside externally and take time, you know, maybe every day, or if you, if that's too much once a week, once a month, and just sit and think about what it is that you're doing, maybe write, maybe journal, and just make a list of like the things that are important to you that you really want out of your life, how you see your business, how you see your creative journey, and just do what really like at the core respond resonates for you. And you will be more successful than you could possibly imagine because it doesn't exist because you haven't done it yet. Your secret sauce, your special, your, your amazing success. The reason why you haven't found it yet is because you haven't done it and, and you're the one that's going to do it. That is awesome. I'm sitting here going, ah, I'm so glad we made time for this today. So <laughs> Allison, where can people find you online? My website is atjphoto.com. And, uh, if anybody would, one of the things that we, that I would love to give to anybody that wants it is I have a really great consultation form. We didn't really talk about that. In yeah. Yeah. I've, thing, I've used it though. I've, I just looked at it the other day. Good. Yeah. I have a really great that consultation form. I would be happy to send to anybody that, that is want, wanting to do better with consultations in their business. And that can be that we will send that to you. If you just email Jessica at atjphoto.com and she will send that right out to you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, you all listeners have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to From Nothing to Profit, a photographer's podcast with Matt and Kaya. Be sure to subscribe for more business strategy and ideas to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always wanted. See you on the next episode of From Nothing to Profit.